Well, today is Advent Sunday, and there are just four Sundays, including today, before the tidal wave of Christmas overwhelms us all. And uh, Advent is a, a time of preparation, but not just for Christmas. We're preparing for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ as a baby in Bethlehem, but we're also preparing for him to come as Lord and King, because there is a note not only of excitement, but of apprehension about Advent. We all like to think of the baby lying in swaddling clothes, wrapped up in a manger. What about that moment when Christ returns, and either willingly or unwillingly, every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord? to the glory of God the Father. Well, now, I want to do something over the next four weeks, including this Sunday, that I've never done before. I'm going to preach all those sermons on one verse. And it's absolutely fantastic verse, it really is. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it's verse 6, and you'll find it on page 1160 in the church Bibles. God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. There are three absolutely tremendous words in that verse. Light, knowledge, and glory. We'll be thinking about light this morning, knowledge next week, glory the week after, and then on the 18th of December we're going to bring all those thoughts together And I want to show you how this vision of the Lord Jesus Christ can change our lives, change us, and make us the kind of people God wants us to be. Well now, as a child, were you afraid of the dark? Don't worry about admitting if you were, because it's very natural. In darkness, all kinds of horrors can be conjured up by imagination, can't they? But the time had to come when mum and dad said, good night, turned the light off and softly closed the bedroom door. And if young people, tiny children are afraid of the dark, older people are afraid of the dark as well. They they don't want to bump into things and, and they're afraid of steps that they can't see. Gosh, darkness means danger. Light makes everything clear. Dr. John Pulkinghorn, have you ever heard of him? Before he was ordained as an Anglican priest, he was professor of mathematical physics at the University of Cambridge. So he knew a thing or two. And he's written many, many books on the way science and religion can positively relate to one another. And in Quark's Chaos and Christianity, he's described how incredibly accurate the process which produced what scientists call the Big Bang actually worked. Nothing stays static in science. We've already seen, haven't we, how a giant like Albert Einstein can be challenged when his theory of relativity about nothing travelling faster than the speed of light was questioned just recently. Nothing's been proved, but there's a question mark even over the theory of relativity. New discoveries are always superseding those which have been held for centuries. Today's incontrovertible fact becomes tomorrow's silly mistakes. Even so, 
Most scientists who deal with the beginning of things, cosmologists, still think that everything began with the aforesaid Big Bang. First, there was what they call a singularity, something infinitely small. And then, bang! And the universe exploded into being. Now, I see no contradiction, whatever, between that and the biblical account. It all began with God's command. Let there be light! And the simple statement that followed, and there was light. Well, if you want to call that the Big Bang, let there be light. Bang! Okay, go ahead. First of all, there was nothing but darkness and silence. And then creation burst into life. As we heard in our reading from John 8, Jesus claimed to be the light of the world. The God who said, let there be light, who released the Big Bang, not only released that light and that creation, but he gave us someone who is the, himself the focus of that light and the source of that life. God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So that's who Jesus is, the source and the focus of the light which created the universe or with which the universe was created. What does that light reveal? What does that light reveal? You probably know that we have three floors in uh, Rycroft next door. Ground floor, there's the dining room, the sitting room, the kitchen, and downstairs, loo, etc. And then you go up to the first floor and you have the bedrooms, the bathroom, and the airing cupboard and all the rest of it. And then there's the, the second floor. And there's my study on one side and there's an attic bedroom on the other, and then in the middle, there is another room. It's quite big, really. I suppose it might almost be called a bedroom in today's terms, because it's big enough to get a bed in, various other things. It has no windows. It's just a space. And everything that we don't know what to do with goes into that room. What am I going to do with this? I'll put it in the roof space. What am I going to do with it? I'll put it in the roof space. Where is it? It's in the roof space. Is it? Are you sure? Yes, I put it in the roof space about six months ago. Well, go and find it. So you go upstairs and you open the door and you put the light on. And what do you see? Absolute chaos. All sorts of things, all covered in bits of Christmas paper. There's Father Christmas's case that we get out every year for the wonderful piece of graffiti inside that says, this case belongs to Father Christmas, so there. <laughs> Old walking sticks, boxes for this, boxes for that, all sorts of things. Now, what does the light of Christ reveal in our lives? Sometimes, you know, friends, it reveals things that are not very nice. Because sometimes... We're quite cruel, aren't we? Even to those closest to us. Even to the people we love. Eleanor Roosevelt was the wife of Franklin D. Roosevelt, the President of the United States, 
during the greater part of the Second World War. He was a great man. And when he died, not only the nation, but most of the world mourned him. But he loved to make jokes at his wife's expense. Now, she had prominent teeth. And he loved to tell people that she was the only person he knew who could eat a corn on the cob from the wrong side of a chain-link fence. It was a great story and a great opening to conversation. Maybe she didn't tell him that it hurt her, but it did. Well, when he died, Eleanor Roosevelt came into her own because she was actually a remarkable woman. Under the auspices of the United Nations and the years following the Second World War, she was able to do a tremendous amount to ameliorate the poverty and suffering caused by the war. She was a woman of considerable stature and influence. But while her husband was alive, she was just the old girl with the big teeth. Isn't it terrible how we hurt those we love? Not because we want to, but because we get used to the darkness that's in our lives. You know, sometimes when I read the New Testament, I feel very sorry for the scribes and Pharisees. And I'll tell you why. Because I reckon that if I had been alive when Jesus was around, I would have been one of them. And you, you would have been the faithful congregation in the synagogue who together with their leaders were the butt of Jesus' stinging criticism. Now, it was very proper for Jesus to criticize them and very wrong of them to reject him. But they did so not because they were intrinsically evil, but because they had allowed darkness to obscure and to ruin their response to God's love and God's truth. And although it shames me to say it, religious people like you and me are prone to that kind of thing. Darkness. In um, John chapter 3 and um, verse 19, Jesus says, The light has come into the world, but men loved darkness more than light because their deeds were evil. And that's true, isn't it? Jesus, in our reading from John 8, said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And the Pharisees, well, they threw the statement back to him in verse 13. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony isn't valid. That had nothing whatsoever to do with what Jesus was talking about. They found this little legalistic excuse to avoid what he was saying. Advent is such a blessed time because it shows us how the darkness has accumulated in our lives. Oh, please, Lord, show me the things in that attic room that have to be got rid of. I don't want part of my life to become a a depository for rubbish. Because you know what grows in rubbish, don't you? All sorts of horrible things. And before you know it, things with little four legs and a tail and sharp teeth start 
infesting it. And that happens with human lives as well as it does with piles of rubbish. Advent is a time when we can let the light of Christ shine into our lives and we can see what is really there and we can take seriously once again that Jesus is the light of the world and that his light is shining into our lives. Now, I have two sisters whom I love overwhelmingly and who love me too in a strange sort of odd way because they're always telling me what to do. But anyway, um, and what not to do as well. I had lunch with both of them yesterday. I was, I was born when they were 9 and 12, respectively. So they were always bossing me about. They hadn't stopped. That meant that I was still in short trousers when they were both teenagers. And although that was in the 1950s, teenage girls were a handful even then, let me tell you. I can remember my older sister especially getting ready to go out with her friends and asking my father whether he approved of how she looked. Now, why he did so, I have no... Why she did so, rather, I have no idea. I can't imagine. Because he would always give her the same answer. He would take one step back and look at her and say, you look like the wreck of the Hesperus. And although she knew she, he was only joking, it never failed to annoy her, and she would flounce off back to her bedroom and plaster on even more makeup. Now, what do we do when we recognize what's going on in our lives, when the light of Jesus reveals what's really there? One thing we can't do is flounce off and ignore his judgment and his truth. We can't do that. The Advent message is that when he returns, there will be no more secrets. Nothing will be hidden anymore. It's a story told of a minister who lived an awful life, dreadful man he was, but he preached like an angel. And folks said that when he was in the pulpit, it was a dreadful shame that he ever got out. And when he was out of the pulpit, it was a sin that he ever got in. <laughs> well, now, double standards like that will be no more after the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 12 and verse 2. Jesus said, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There it is, you see. Hypocrisy. There is nothing concealed that will be not, be not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight. And what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the housetops. That's the true message of Advent. And if it makes you feel uncomfortable like it made me feel uncomfortable when I was preparing this sermon for once, I have done my job. Let me read it again. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known what you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight 
And what you have whispered in the ear, in the inner rooms, will be proclaimed from the housetops. But dear friends, don't despair. Be alarmed. Be warned. Wake up. All those things. But don't despair. Because that warning is only for those who try to ignore nasty things and keep them hidden. If you come to the cross and you ask forgiveness, no matter how many times you've come before and asked forgiveness before, it will be granted. So on the next three Sundays, I want to show you how tremendous and how awesome the message of Advent is. I want to bring you face to face with Jesus We've seen his light this morning. Next week we'll think about how we gain the knowledge that he brings. The knowledge of, on the 11th, we'll see something of the glory of God. And then, finally, I want to bring them all together to show you the clearest picture of the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Amen.